Do you love horror and fantasy? If so, don't miss out on Gabriella Balcom's novella Down With The Sickness and Other Chilling Tales. It'll have you shivering right on the edge of your seat. Dive right into these macabre horror stories, but be careful not to close your eyes. Evil lurks unseen, supernatural beings keep watch, and monsters lie in wait. Some plot vengeance while others crave human flesh. Crystal longs to be a rock star, but what would she do to make her dream come true? Lie? Kill? Elaine goes to extremes to be like Sonora, but isn't the only one wanting to be someone else. Betty struggles to breathe after Rodney blows smoke in her face, then he does worse. But the Watchers have something special in mind for him. Wahasi stalks through the swamp in crocodile form, infuriated at her lack of food. But she has a plan, and the townspeople better watch out. A brat. Brad defies his parents and tries to hurt his sister, but he's not the only bully around. Abner is delighted to visit Aogigahara Forest, which is rumored to be haunted, but Sharon isn't. Shane dares Angeline to spend the night in the Devil's Hand, which is supposedly cursed. Trisha is prideful about her looks and bullies a younger girl, but she has a surprise visitor. Life post-COVID included nuclear bombs and death. Cole, Vera, and Marianne have little left to eat and need to forage, but rovers are out and about and must be avoided at all costs. Dean likes pushing people around, but when he damages his grandfather Charlie's Venus flytraps, Charlie isn't the only one who's upset. Gabriella Balcom's book includes all of the above and more, and the readers have been gushing about her creations. Wow! Just freaking wow! I was deeply disturbed, loved every minute. Bravo! A masterpiece in the horror genre. Heartbreaking and devastating. Holy shit, that was so creepy. I loved it. I want more, more, more. Dang it. I got chills reading this story. Exciting and horrific. Multifacetedly disturbing. Very well written. If you're ready to sink your teeth into Gabriella Balcom's novella Down With The Sickness and Other Chilling Tales, click on over to Amazon.com now. And now, enjoy this free JZO Modcast show. Welcome to Grindhouse Lee. I'm your host, Alan Russo. I'm Dave Montoya. Alright, today we're going to continue our discussions on our favorite horror films. We've talked about Nightmare on Elm Street 3, we've talked about Sleepaway Camp, Friday the 13th, the original. Mm -hmm. 
and Return of the Living Dead. What's another one of your favorites? Exorcist. That is yeah. just, and I'm I I know there's many you know sequels and prequels and all that silly stuff, um, and I can watch those all day all night and kind of you know the old Beetlejuice I've watched it five hundred times and it keeps getting funnier every time kind of thing, um, yeah those are the sequels but you know me watching the original exorcist it still has me going to bed you know dear lord baby jesus save my soul don't let me die yeah kind of thing um right it, it's it's a classic and it's to me and i it, of course it plays off of a, a faith you know and I, I think depending on how deep your faith runs is how scary it is and yeah. for me, you know, we we try to, well, the kids won't watch it. So <laughs> typically, like, next month um, in October, I'll watch it at some point in time. Um, because that's when I watch it. For whatever reason, I always watch it every October. And uh, it's just, it scares the crap out of me every single time. Even though I could probably quote line by line, it scares me. You know, and, and I know about, you know, like the harness and, and all the special effects. They were in a freezer, you know. I I know all of that. I know all the behind-the-scenes stuff, and yet it still scares the shit out of me. It really does. It's still creepy. Yeah, it's still creepy. Um, you know, because, you know, is possession real? I don't know. But, you know, you hear so many stories about somebody being possessed. You know, you hear so many stories about exorcisms and things of that nature. You know, are they real? I don't know. Is it just a Catholic thing? Pretty sure. Well, you know, for example, and this is a, a true story. I used to work at a, a Catholic hospital. And uh, back in the 1960s, they had somebody that was quote-unquote possessed. And I don't know what happened to them. They don't know what, you know, the, the, the file was sealed on them. But that particular room, it's still there, but it's completely brick-and-mortared off. You cannot get to it unless you crawl through the window. And that's that's real because I seen the window. They're like, yeah, that's in, and then you walk around and it's just a brick wall. I'm like, oh, yeah, okay. So it may very well be an, a Catholic thing. Maybe, you know, because like I said, you know, because you only hear about possessions and you know exorcisms and stuff like that from the Catholic Church and you know through Catholics, which you know. Back in the day, you know, you're talking the 40s and the 50s, even in the 60s. You know, they thought people with schizophrenia, um, certain mental defects and stuff like that right. were possessed. You know, the Catholics thought it was, they were possessed and even exorcised. It wasn't that. They were just, they had a mental defect. Yeah. And, you know, because you hear about, you don't hear really much about exorcism today as you did in the 30s and the 40s and the 50s and 60s. 
Right. You know, and even up to the 70s, some in the 80s, but when you dive into The Exorcist, there is so much truth behind the actual exorcism itself. You know, they, they pulled a lot of, you know, they brought in an actual priest to make the actual exorcism look as real as possible. Which I think is a good call. Yeah. You know, and of course they're saying that movie that was possessed and everything else because so everything that happened to everybody in the sets and the crew and the cast and all that during film. Yeah, a lot of people died from what I remember hearing. Yeah. You know, sets burned down and, you know, uh, the flinging scene, you know, she broke her back during that scene. You know, but, Even though she's in a harness. Yeah, I, I, that just, I don't know. <laughs> like, um, I don't know if you know this too, but you know, at the end where Father Damien jumps out the window and he's dying, and the the other priest goes down and gives him his last rites, and he's shaking. That's not yeah. acting. Um, the director walked up to him, punched him in the face, and then said, "Action!" <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you can't do that shit no more. No, you can't. You know and. You know, him, Father, I think it was Father Damien falling down the steps. Uh-huh. He got hurt during making that scene. Um, you know, and it, there was just so much to it behind the scenes that when you actually look at, look and talk and think about the behind the scenes stuff and then watch it, it makes it scarier. It does. It really does. Because... And if you can get a copy of of the, you know, the one with the subliminal messages in there. Yeah. If you can get a copy of that. Unfortunately, you can't get a copy. You can't go to, like, Walmart and pick up a copy because um, it's been, you know, it's outlawed. But if you can find, like, an old-ass VHS tape or even a Betamax tape. If you can find a Betamax tape and you have a player, I guarantee you... You will find the subliminal messages, and that oh, shit yeah. will make it even scarier. Oh yeah, you know, and the whole you know crucifix thing, and you know, come on. Yeah, they really push the boundaries on that. I I feel, they do. um, you know, it it it's yeah, or it, it was very simple. But the effects, because again, like any good 80s kid, you know, I saw it at, you know, a a young tender age, you know, (laughs) and, uh, you know, as a a little boy, I saw it and I remember, you know, they're, uh, they're having that party and Reagan goes down and, you know, the mom's like, oh, you know, blah, blah, blah. You know, just trying to be like mom of the year in front of all these people. And yeah. she's like, you're all going to die. 
die and then pisses on the floor right in front of everybody. Yeah. Like, oh, you know, that's that's pretty damn disturbing. Yeah, yeah, it is. You know, and the split pea suit, blah, to this day I can even look at it. <laughs> uh, I yeah. mean, like, it's, it's, it's mad. I mean, granted, split pea suit is nasty to begin with, but just to look at it, it's like, blah. yeah. Yeah, it just, yeah. I mean... Yeah, I was like, cock it out. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, damn! Yeah, they pushed the boundaries on that one in so many good one-liners. And, you know, it, it's... They, they pushed it on that one, but the scare factor is there. It was, and and one of the things that, like, um, I'm trying to remember who exactly I was talking to, but they're like, oh, I won't watch that movie, that movie's evil, I'm like, but it's not evil, and she's like, what do you mean? Right. I'm like, it is the ultimate story of good versus evil, and good one. Yeah. It's not an evil movie. The good guys won. God won. You know, the Christians right. won. And uh, so that is kind of one thing that kind of irks me is that, you know, there there is, and it's amazing because it didn't come out until like 1970-something. Um, and they're like, oh, it's evil, it's evil, it's evil. No, not really. I mean, yes, there is evil things in it. But as far as, like, the movie being evil altogether, no. No, because if no. you remember right, Father Damien uh, lost his faith at the beginning of the movie when they approached yeah. him to do the exorcism. He's like, yeah, you know, I, I smoking his cigarettes and drinking his whiskey. And, you know, he's like, yeah, you know, I don't pretty much believe in any of that crap anymore. But he believed, he believed to the point where he sacrificed himself, right. you know, at the end. And there's no greater uh, redemption than self-sacrifice. Exactly. So. And then you go into uh, Dominion, which is the prequel. And you find out that Father Damien has seen that demon before. Which you one know, was that? Was that the, the one where he was the archaeologist? Yeah. Okay, yeah. You know, and he met Pazuzu before as an archaeologist. And, you know, it kind of ties it in about, you know, you know who I am and all that. The extra. Right. Because, you know, which Dominion, in my opinion, it's a slow burn. But it's good. Oh, it is. It's a great, it's a great prequel. The only one because, that I hated was the heretic. What was that part two? Yeah, part yeah. two. I was like, that is just freaking boring. I I was just. I think I've seen it maybe twice in my life. You know, like uh, I'll give it another try. Nope, still sucks, kind of thing. And that was it. <laughs> and part three was much better. It was better. It was better. Um, you know, you find out that Damien didn't die after jumping out the window and. Going down the stairs head first, which I was surprised. Yeah. Um, I remember, you know, they're like, oh, 
if you have a heart condition, you can't see this movie. And, of course, that got me all excited. You know, I was like, ooh. Yeah. Um, but and even though it's for as good as, as it was, it was nowhere near the experience of The Exorcist. Right. Now, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, no, I I was just going to ask is, um, you know, there's there's a new one coming out this month. No, next month in October. um, A new Exorcist movie. And this time it is uh, it's two girls. So um, I I think the the demon's supposed to be like ping ponging off of both of them. Have you heard about anything about that? I've heard about it. I just don't know if it's going to be any good. I mean, part one was pivotal. The prequel, you know, it added to part one. Beyond that, it's like, yeah. So I don't know. I've got my, I got my reserves on it because you know how. Yeah. Uh, I will probably see it, you know, because I, I have that membership to, uh, I pay for it monthly. It's a Cinemark membership. So I get one free movie a month. So I I might actually cash in because I haven't gone to the movies since, I don't even remember when, I don't know if I've gone to the movies this year. So I might have quite a few, uh, you know, that can cash in. I might cash in, in because it's free. You know what I'm saying? Right. Free movie. Well, didn't you go see some, I think you went and saw Super Mario Brothers, didn't you? What did I go see? You cut out. Super, Super Mario Brothers? Yes, yes. That was, uh, I actually really enjoyed that. I know yeah, that's that not... Came out, that came out earlier this year. Um, yeah. And that that was really really good. I was surprised how good it was, to be honest with you. Yeah, I was too. I actually bought it. <laughs> you um, know, go ahead. And you know, thinking about The Exorcist, you know, going back to it, you know, there were so many things that about it that just. I don't know, it was just like a creep factor all the way around. And, but they played it so well. You know, it was... It was believable. Yeah, it's like, you didn't, you know, you could not anticipate what was going to happen. And I think that's what made it so good. Is there no, you know, there was... Very little for there was foreshadowing, but it was very subtle. I'd also like the fact that they tried to the mother tried to play it off as uh, now, this is just my interpretation, but I I feel like the mother knew exactly what was going on from the get go, yeah. But because she denied that there was a god, she didn't want to admit that her, her child was possessed. So she just right. played it off as mental illness. Right. Which is a, a fun fact. Is the the tests in um, 
you know, the, the test in The Exorcist, you know, where they're doing the yeah. test. Uh, Wes Craven actually did an homage to that in The Nightmare on Elm Street. And if you look at when they're doing a sleep study with Nancy, the the room and the layout and everything is almost identical. Yeah, yeah, it is. So, yeah, it just popped in my head. I remember, yeah. I was like, oh, yeah, it is. That's cool. Yeah, yeah. You know, and you, sometimes you got to look at, you know, so many tie-ins from different movies that, you know, you get, and you watch something, it's like, I've seen that before. Where have I seen that before? And then, you know, you're, you're trying to pick apart movies you've seen that have that particular scene or something like it and you're like, that's where I've seen it. Yes. Um, I'm trying to think. You know, I mean, of course, the the head turning backwards, that that will always be an infamous and iconic scene in the movie, in pop culture history. Right. Um, you know, all the goth people flock. Um, I just said that and it popped in my head. So, for the people that are listening, um, Russo and I put together, uh, back in 2021, it was called Scarefare in, in, here in Southern California. And we did a, a, a cosplay contest. And this lady that cosplayed as the exorcist, did you, do you remember her? Yes, yes, yes. Oh my God. God, it was like right on the freaking money. Honestly, I thought she should have won, but um, Lisa Wilcox was one of the judges, so the the Freddie won. <laughs> of course. But uh, yeah, I just I don't know why it popped into my head. I guess because we're talking about Exorcist, but yeah, the um, if you go to uh, like Instagram and type in Pop Culture Expo or Scarefare. I think you'll see a picture of her. Uh, absolutely amazing uh, um, cosplay. Yeah, it was. It was amazing. And then she walked around all day like that. She like, did. That's that's credit, you know, because that yeah. had to have been uncomfortable. Um, so with that, of course, you know, like I said, uh, the head spinning thing and then... Uh, you know, Father Damien believing. That's one thing they really, I mean, I guess because they they reached out to the priests, I guess the mother did finally accept that there was a God. Um, yeah. Which, again, is, is something that uh, I personally enjoy doing um, as a writer, is uh, a lot of my characters start as atheists or non-believers and and something ends up happening and they they believe in a god um that's just because of my religious background but um i'm trying to think of some key points before i run out of time i think we might have covered everything it's just it's a solid five out of five even to today oh yeah um i i mean unfortunately it it destroyed uh Oh my gosh! I, I just had a brain fart. Her name. Um, who played uh, Nancy? Or not Nancy? Um, 
Reagan. Linda Blair. Linda Blair. Linda Blair. That, it did, uh, we watched uh, a documentary. This was years ago when Lacey was still alive. And, uh, you know, she's like, yeah, it, it pretty much destroyed her career because she was typeset. And all she ever got was like, uh, you know, on the verge of being an adult movie or a scary movie. And that was yeah. pretty much it. And that, I mean, but you know, I mean, fame is fame, I guess. Uh, and it depends on how it you, is. you. It is, it is, but you got to look at, you know, being typecast, it sucks. Because nobody wants to touch you for anything else. Right. That's true. That's true. Um, but, you know, it's gone on to be one of the greatest scary movies of all times. And I, they can try to, to duplicate it, but they can never replicate it. Um, no. They can never... I, I don't think... I don't... Number one, today's day and age and the sensitivity to the general public is changed. So I don't think even... That storyline, you know, like I said, like, and I know it's a horrible line, but you know, your mother sucks cock in hell. They're not going to let people say that in the movies nowadays. No, no, you know, so uh, I, I give it, you know, five out of five. And like I said, uh, I'll, I'll jump back into it uh, in October because I've been watching the same DVD. Um, it's not even Blu-ray. It's a it's like an old DVD with the, the paper cover, the folding covers. Um, yeah. I've been watching that same one since like 2000. So, <laughs> <laughs> all right, my friend, it is your turn at 22:30. We have exactly 22:30 left. So, what is your next pick? Oh, let's see. I would probably. And th this one might shock a lot of people, but it's not just one. It's a whole series. Okay. And that's subspecies. Yes. The... I was wondering you know, when you're going to dip into those, you know, uh, Hammer Horror, Grindhouse, you know, classics. Yes. Yes. I mean, the first one, slow burn, but it worked. And then, you know, you started adding part two, part three, part four. And it's a continuing storyline. And each one got a little bit better. It's, it's one of those series that didn't get worse with the sequels. It got better with the sequels. It was like watching because, one whole movie. Yeah, it really is. Because, you know... You, as you go along, you learn more and more and more about, and I cannot think of the name off the top of my head, the, the main, main vampire. Character. Yeah. You know, it adds to his storyline. You know, a little bit at a time, a little bit at a time. And, you know, you start getting that, you know, and then you start learning about his different covens and stuff like that that he's left. But at the same time, it's, 
you know, you're, you're adding. It you know it goes, it gives him more backstory as you go along. Mm-hmm. More character and development. Then, right. And then now with uh, part five that had just come out. Really? There's a part five that just came out? Yeah. Oh, wow. It actually goes, yeah, it actually goes back to Boss 4. It's a, it's pretty much a prequel. And, you know, you realize he was born a vampire. But because Blood he, Rise. And, yeah. And because he was but he was raised a human. Because you know, if you haven't the way they explain it is you know, once you reach a certain age, if you're born a vampire, you're either gonna be a vampire or you're gonna be human. By the time you reach by the time you reach maturity, but you're only gonna be a vampire if you have, you know, sucked, you know, if you've entered blood into your system, that kind of thing. Right. Because up until that point, you know, you could be rich as human. And, you know, it shows the progression from child, which it kind of jumps from him as a child being raised as a human and all that thing to an adult being a vampire hunter. And, you know, it kind of gives the backstory of, you know, he's supposed to kill his father and take over his kingdom and this and that and the other. You know, and that's the prophecy. Well, then he grows up with the secret sect of killing vampires. And, you know, there's two that he saves from his father's clutches. Right. And you find out later that one of the that he saved is his brother. And that's the brother in part one. Steven. Yeah. So, you know, you don't, you know, so that kind of ties in there. And how he turned into a vampire and just kind of took off the 17th century kind of thing and then the woman you would think she was human at first and then you realize she's a vampire and she's the one that turns uh, what is it name and it's driving me nuts because of the thing the woman the 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 man the main vamp the one that turns into the vampire for the rest of the series um uh, I want to say Randy but it's not <laughs> no no it's um hold on yeah something off the wall Radu yeah Radu there you go. Thanks, IMDb.com. Right. <clears throat> so, you know, Radu, like I said, you know, was, she turns him 
and then you know they tell you you know you're not you can't kill your master this and that and the other blah 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 well you know because it'll destroy you well he winds up killing her in the end but that's because that's she's not his master he's born a vampire he right. just hasn't he just hasn't ever turned so you know and he takes over her coven this and the other and that coven winds up coming back later and wants the sequels and you know they they introduced the bloodstone in the first one or in the uh, prequel and so you know everything everything's tied together with the prequel and it and the prequel makes it really well because it ties everything together with all the sequels and stuff like that. Yes. And, you know, you know, and then Radu, you know, he turned, you know, he keeps the one, you know, he keeps the the one that Steven had turned while she's in love with Steven. And, you know, Radu's trying to make her love him throughout all the sequels and stuff like that and so he chases her and that's you know and that's what makes a great progression um you know it's one of them campy full moon feature kind of things you know it's all low budget and all that yeah it was shot in um Romania yeah uh, the castle you know there's so many that was shot there that same castle um, yeah. The it, the owner of uh, Full Moon actually owned that castle. Right. He owns that castle, and then he owns one in uh, Italy. Yes. And that's where he shot, and a lot of the ca- uh, a lot of the other movies that he uses castles in, he does in Italy in the small town. Which brings me to uh, Castle Freak. That was shot in his castle in Italy. The same castle or the one in um, Italy? Yeah. And they remade Castle Freak. Because it's based on a Lovecraft story. And the remake to Castle Freak, in my opinion, is better than the original. Really? Because they put a lot of the Lovecraft story uh-huh. back in. So, you know, it makes it makes it that much better that they put a lot of the Lovecraft story back in. I mean, yeah, it makes for a weird ending, but the Lovecraft story is weird anyway. Right. You know, I mean, H.P. Lovecraft, all his shit was weird. (laughs) Yeah. You know, going back to uh, subspecies, I guess the first one was a real slow burn, but they ended it, they ended well enough to know you're going to get a sequel. 
it wasn't they might make a sequel, they might not. They ended it that you knew they were going to make a sequel. I always liked the vampire. Um, it reminded me of the new fought, new fought. Okay, I can't say the word. His name. Roger. Thank you. I don't. I don't. <laughs> I can't put my tongue where it needs to go to say the word or say the name. Um, but yeah, if, you, if they were very, very similar, if you look at it, you know, especially yeah. with um, oh, what was his name again? Um, no, no, no. Um, Radu. Radu, yeah. You know, yeah. especially with him, if you see him in his his uh, vampire form, he very much is. Save the name again. <laughs> Nosferatu esque in in his visual, if you think about it. Yeah. Except yeah. he has hair. The long... Yeah. <laughs> if they shaved yeah. off his hair, they'd be identical, I think. Right, with the long fingernails, yeah. ears, you know, and everything else. Which, they remade Nosferatu in the 70s. Yeah, i seen that one. And then they made a sequel. Did they really? That I did not know. Yeah, they made a sequel to Nosferatu in the 70s. I don't know, I haven't seen either one. <laughs> Oh, oh, no, I take that back. I saw the 70s version. I haven't seen this before. Uh, it's, I don't know. It, it's one of those, I think the original's the best. Yeah. It's just, it's all visual storytelling. And it's so hard to to tell an entire movie just off of visuals, you know? Yeah. But, I mean, you're talking about it was the 1920s and 1930s, where, you know, they were still doing silent films. Right. So. But, you know, like I was saying, with Nosferatu, with the... Uh, subspecies? Yeah. Subspecies, you know, each, like I said, each sequel expands on the same storyline. And I like that. You know, it adds a little bit more to the character, adds a little bit more to his background and everything else. It's not just a okay, let's just throw a sequel together, add a couple characters from this one and there you go. That you is know, like basically they, the formula for any sequel. <laughs> right. I mean, you know, when you go back to like Friday the thirteenth, Nightmare on Elm Street, you know, your recurring character is pretty. Right. In Nightmare on Elm Street. So you know, once you get past part, you know, if you skip two altogether on that random street, each one is a sequel. Yeah, it tells you know, a full story. It's a traditional sequel because you bring back Nancy and all that part in part three. You have a couple survivors; they die in part four, but now. You've got a whole new list of characters that are, you know, trying to find him off, stuff like that. And then part five, you bring back a couple, just a couple, not many, of the survivors of part four, and you continue with part five. Right. And then you take part six, and then now you're looking at... Whole new cast. Backstory. 
Yeah, you're looking at a whole new cast, but you're going back to the backstory of his daughter, which I thought was kind of, you know, you could tell that one was just kind of like, okay, let's put something together to make it, you know, that just to make it. That should have not been the end of the story. Because technically that is the end of the Nightmare story. Yeah. Um, because the um, the new Nightmare doesn't tie in at all. And the uh, Freddy vs. Jason doesn't really tie in. It kind of does, but it doesn't really. Um, so that the Freddy's Dead was supposed to be the actual end of the Freddy story. And I, I was disappointed with... Yeah, I mean, this is the way you're going to kill him? Right. You know, and New Nightmare kind of stands on its own. You know, he's trying to write a sequel, this, that, and the other. And, you know, Freddy's jumping off the page. I get that. That's a cool concept. It is. You know, but it's like, you know, going, like, even Friday the 13th, there's no continuation, really. You know, like, part three, it's a whole new cast of characters, all that shit. Right. You know, and the only way it really ties into part two is where, you know, she sees Jason in the woods, you know, and you could tie that into that was happening during part two. But it doesn't really say it. You know, part three, you know, he comes back to life from the morgue. I get that. Part five, it's a copycat. I didn't like that. I did not either. I, I, yeah, no, I got, I agree with you wholeheartedly. I mean, now, if it wasn't a copycat, you know, it would have been great, a great continuation of part four. So if you skip that one and go to part six, now you're bringing Tommy Jarvis back because he didn't feel like, you know, he was dead. He wanted to make sure he was dead. Right. And then accidentally brought him back to life. <laughs> Oops. Oops. And then part seven. That's uh, New York, right? No, that's the girl's telekinesis. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That one was okay. The one with, I mean, it that she accidentally killed her dad. Yeah. You know, that one was okay. It wasn't, wasn't the best, but... What irritated me with part eight, which is Jason Takes Manhattan, is in part eight, he's still chained to the bottom of the lake. Right. So, you know, how did part seven fit in if he's still chained to the bottom of the lake? It doesn't. It doesn't fit. They just ignored it altogether. Yeah. And so, you know, of course, part eight, they electrify and bring you back, all that shit. 
That what was a cool opening. You gotta admit it though. That was a cool opening. Yeah, it was a great opening. The only thing that kind of irritated me was there wasn't a whole lot of filming in New York. Yeah. It was mainly on the boat. You know, yeah. 90% of it happens on the boat. And you know, it's ir- you know, it makes you irritated because, you know, you think, oh, okay, well, you're going to get a lot of great New York scenes and fight scenes, whatever, not take things turn of it on the boat. And then they kill him with toxic waste at the end of the movie. And it's like, what the hell? <laughs> so part you know, nine was uh, Jason Goes to Hell, right? Yeah. Okay, okay. So, you know, he gets reborn through his dead aunt or sister or whatever the fuck she was. You know? Yeah, I, uh, yeah. I, you know, he goes through that whole process and then, you know, he kills, he gets killed by his niece or whatever the hell she is and he goes to hell. Okay, great. Very in, Freddy's, you know, and that's where you can tie in Freddy versus Jason for the most part because Freddy reaches his hand up, grabs the mask, and brings it down. Right. And then Jason X kind of ignores everything. <laughs> for the most part, yeah. It. It's one of those that it can tie in somewhere on how they capture him. Uh huh. Many times they killed him. You know, it it ignores pretty much eight and nine because they kill him in eight and nine. But now Jason X is alive. It's like what the fuck? And he's in space. You know. So you kind of go back to maybe part seven. You know, they find him, they capture him, he's still alive, whatever. You know, sometime after part seven. And then they freeze him. And now it is like, what, 20, 30 years later, he's on a ship. Yeah. A spaceship, of all things. So, I mean, but the kill, the kills were awesome in Jason X. You know, I you think know, that's what we should do for next if our next episode. Instead of picking yeah. our favorite movies, picking our favorite movies with the best kills. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. Can you believe it? We're already <laughs> we're at the end of this one. Jeez. Yeah. Yeah, we are kicking butt. Uh, yeah, we're on a roll today. Um, yeah, dude. So let's do that. Let's uh, come back and talk about our favorite kills. Just our favorite kills? Yeah. Yeah, different. Yeah. Um, I might actually have to bust out a pen and paper and write them down. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then 
then I'll I'll probably be after after next episode. Then I'll be gone again because I'll I'll finish getting the uh, the dental surgery. But I'll talk more about that next episode. Um, so this has been cool. I'm, I'm glad that I've healed enough that we could actually sit down and, and talk a little bit. Yeah. You know, and, and, and great that, you know, we talked about some of our favorites. Yes. Um, what most people don't realize is that Russo and I, you know, we've been best friends going on 24 years now. And we typically, we talk every Tuesday or Tuesday, every Friday. And, um, because of the oral surgery, uh, it, been hurting i mean and i probably noticed that i haven't really been talking a whole bunch normal than what i usually do because it kind of hurts after a while um but i've healed up enough where it doesn't hurt that bad so it's it's been nice catching up definitely all right my friend go ahead and let's send us out all right well thank you guys for listening again i'm alan russo i'm dave montoya Y'all have a good day.